Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go over to the book of Matthew chapter 25, and I want to begin probably what is going to be a, a new series tonight, uh, entitled, The Harvest is Coming. The Harvest is Coming. And uh, over and over, the Lord has said to us in this season that the harvest is coming. Uh, Brother Copeland said this at the end of the word that he gave, Concerning this, uh, this uh, disease being over quicker than anyone thought, he said at the end of it, and many, many people will come to know me through it. And then he said to me personally, he said, the church must mobilize and tell them that it was the Lord that showed them this grace. And many will turn to the Lord and the harvest of souls will be great. Then he said, during prayer meeting, not this past Monday, but the Monday before, concerning new believers, and the babies will line up, out, up outside the doors of the church. And they'll need to be fed. They will need bottles. They'll need bassinets. They'll need knees to bounce them on. <laughs> and then he said, I'm holding the church accountable for these babies. Holding them accountable. So the harvest is coming. All right? And it's what we do to prepare for it. It's what we do to be ready. The word prepare means, uh, as you might think, to make ready. But it means as to prepare the table for entertaining company. So if I know that someone's coming over, if I know someone is coming to visit, then I prepare the house. I prepare the table. I have things ready. Uh, I was talking to... Uh, uh, Brother Larry, about them showing the house. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've been in the position of showing a house before. And when you show a house, you always got to be ready for people to come. And you always have to have things uh, somewhat, you know, right, at least right enough that you can correct it real quick. But notice, it's preparation. You don't want anybody walking through a house that you're trying to sell and it, you know, I mean, it's just not ready. It's not vacuumed. The things aren't picked up. Because the bottom line is it's probably going to look like that after they move in it. But you don't want anybody seeing it that way when there's, because you want to be prepared. Amen. Amen. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, and we'll start here in verse 1. And it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish, and they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, The bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, 
but go rather to them to sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, notice this, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. The Roost Bible says those that were prepared went in. Uh, almost all other translations that I looked at used the term those that were ready. Those that were ready. Here's the issue that you see here. I know that the, 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 the teaching in its perfect context is, is referring to uh, the, the, the bridegroom Jesus and the friends of the bridegroom and being ready for his return. But here's what you have to see. The five foolish virgins did not prepare for an event that they knew was coming. They knew the bridegroom was coming. They knew the wedding supper was going to be there and it was going to happen, and yet they didn't prepare for it. They didn't, they didn't make preparation, all right? And so the reason that they were there was to meet the bridegroom, and they weren't prepared. And so when the call came, behold, the bridegroom comes, they got up and trimmed their lamps. They had no oil in their lamps, and they were going out. Amen. Amen. Do you see this? The church, our church, the church in general, has to be ready for the harvest that's coming. All right? In, in, in whatever area. It, we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared to feed, and we have to be prepared to disciple. Because once the, listen, if there's something I've learned about babies, especially in the natural, when they're ready to eat, they're ready to eat, and you better be ready. Amen. Or the, or the fit's going to commence. Hallelujah. So in Matthew 28, Jesus says something. Jesus says, Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The center column reference of my Bible when it says teach all nations is make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Every other translation I read stated make disciples. All right? So it's not, it, 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 it involves teaching, but there's a making of disciples. And notice that disciples are made. All right? They, they don't come prepackaged. They're made. All right? Somebody has to make a disciple. And we'll, we'll get in deeper in this as we go. When, when believe, new believers come to the church or people that don't know anything about God come to the church, they get saved and they come to the church, they have to be discipled in the things of God. They cannot just be allowed to come to the church and just hear, make it on your own. Amen. Because that would be like a parent bringing a newborn home and putting the newborn in their bed, in the crib, in the room, and then they just shut the door and, and go out in the living room. And somebody comes over and they say, hey, you know, where, where's the baby? And, oh, they're in the room. Well, you know, have you checked on them? Well, no, I hadn't checked on them. I figured if they need me, they'll yell. Well, well <laughs> that's not going to work because they're a baby. They, they don't really even know what they need. They just know if I'm hungry, I cry. If I'm wet, I cry. If I'm uncomfortable, I cry. And you've got to go discern what is wrong with that child. Are you hungry? And, and we'll go down the list. Okay, the diaper's dry. Okay, 
uh, uh, no, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, uh, uh, must be hungry, right? And so then you feed the bottle. Or, or if they start crying right after you fed them, okay, they can't be hungry because I just fed them, so then you check the diaper, you check the right. Amen. And that's what happens is people come to church and they have issues and they have troubles and they have things they need God to help them with. And somebody's got to disciple them in their marriage. Somebody's got to disciple them in their family. Somebody's got to disciple them in their, in their money. Because if that is the job of the church, and this is what we call the Great Commission. All right? It's a co-mission with Jesus. Jesus is not discipling people. He has left that to us. Amen. Amen. And then he goes on in Luke chapter 6. This is... uh, So he says there in Matthew 28, you have to make disciples. Go into all the world or every man's world and make disciples. Now Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, It came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out into a mountain to pray and continued, notice, all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve whom he named apostles. Now notice something. Notice where the 12 apostles came from. His disciples. The ones that he had been discipling. Hallelujah. Those he had been teaching and training. The ones that Jesus had personally taken responsibility for and began to disciple them. In this season, the church has to look beyond numbers and see the need for disciples and discipleship. I, I, got, I got to look beyond just the numerical issue and see the need for disciples and discipleship because we have a generation that by and large has never been discipled. Amen. We have a generation that by and large has never been taught and trained in the truth of the Word of God or what it means to be 100% sold out to the things of God. Yeah. All right, we, that, we, we just have that generation. And it's not a knock against the generation. It's not a knock against anybody that's been preaching to them or, or, or any age group. It just comes down to this. Is when you understand that when you begin to disciple somebody, you're solidifying them in the things of God. The things of God are becoming real to them. The answer is being given to them. And by and large, listen, I, I thought it was so interesting that the state of California closed two entities. They closed bars and churches. And you want to know why? They consider them both entertainment. They said the church is entertainment, just like a bar, so we're going to shut them down. Wow. Amen. Well, thank, you know, we, we thank God for the states that we have churches in because we have, we have governors that say we need the church. We need the church to be open and, and preaching the word. Well, now understand why they think that way. Because somewhere... Somewhere along the line, they got the idea that church is just a place where you go and you hear good music and you might hear a sermon, but I don't have any involvement. 
I don't have anything that I need to be doing. I'm not really supposed to change. I'm just supposed to go to church. But when you bring people into a church and you start discipling them, then you're telling them, look, sweetheart, things should be changing in your life. Your marriage should be getting better. You should be, you should be doing things differently, thinking differently, acting differently. And you're taking an active, hands-on role in helping that person become all that God wants them to be. Amen. The roles of ministry in the local church must be filled by those who have been discipled by others in the body. The role been discipled by others in the body. I remember there was a, a young man that came to the church uh, uh, many years ago, over 20 years ago, and uh, uh, just loved the Lord, had really just come back to the Lord, but uh, the, one of the first things that happened was he, he would come, and he was, he was front row mafia. I mean, he was right there on the front row. And, uh, and uh, uh, the first thing that happened is somebody came along to him and said, hey, uh, you need to join the usher team. Amen. And he said, okay, and, and, and got involved in the usher team. Well, what was that guy doing? He was discipling him. In other words, it's not enough just to come to church. You need to be involved in making a difference in your church. Amen. All right? That's discipleship. Well, the next thing you know is, is, is you know, the usher team grew and, and, and alleviated the need for him. But then somebody come along and said, hey, would you help out in the AV department? Yeah, I'll, I'll help out in the AV department. Well, it was another level of discipleship. Amen? And, and all along that way, you're encountering people that are helping you with your marriage, and you're encountering people that are helping you love the Lord, and you're running into seasoned believers that care about you and want you to make it and want your life to be better. Amen? And so they take the time to disciple. Amen? When people come to church and they don't know anything about church, it's like a child going to Disney World for the first time. It's just a world of wonder. Everything they hear from the Word of God is just absolutely astounding. What do you mean I'm righteous? What do you mean I'm holy? Right? Somebody has to take them to the side or sit by them in church and say, well, that righteousness, that means right standing with God. You know, holy means you're set aside for a purpose. Somebody that will say, hey, come over for coffee. Come over for something to eat and just break out the word of God and say, this is what God thinks about you. This is what God sees in you. Amen. Amen. And then you're not just producing a nominal believer. You're producing a disciple. Yeah. Amen. And, and, and that is so important. The pastor is the catalyst for discipleship, but he cannot be the only one engaged in it. So, so many times in churches, and, and not necessarily in ours, thank God, but so many times in churches, people kind of have this mindset, well, you know, pastor will take care of that. Well, that's really not a biblical model. Because when Paul wrote, he, he said things like, he said things like, you know, that the older women were to teach the younger women. What is that? Discipleship. Amen. That the older men were to teach the younger men. What is that? Discipleship. Amen. Amen. So important. Because, because people are going to come through these doors, men and women, not just women, men and women, that don't know how to dress, that don't know how to talk. They, they don't know that what they're wearing is, is not appropriate. Yeah. 
Some, somebody's got to, in a non-legalistic, non-religious way, somebody's got to bring them to the side and say, look, you know, I mean, what you have on, all the, you know, that, that, that's beautiful. I mean, the, the material's nice, but, you know, it's a little low cut or it's a little up high or, or whatever the case may be. Right? Because I want to help them grow. Amen. And, and, and that is the harvest that's coming. There's going to be a harvest of twofold. It's going to be unbelievers and it's going to be backsliders. And they're going to come to church and they're going to be in, in, uh, on fire for the things of God because folks, when, 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 when and, I, and I say this not just to mention the situation, when people see that restrictions are lifted, when they're able to go hear the truth, they're going to go. Amen. And it's the church, it's the churches that are not caught up in what's currently going on and just fighting to keep their head above water. It's the churches that are looking beyond and saying, look, a, a harvest is coming. And it's those that are making room in the grain bin that God can bless because they're more concerned about the harvest that is coming than the current situation they're in. Amen. Oh, glory to be to God. Amen. Amen. The body as a whole is to be engaged in discipleship. The body as a whole. Miss Pat Harrison, she said something when she was at the church. She said, discipling new believers, new converts, is where many churches miss it. Teach the basics of the gospel. That's why the church grew. They made disciples. They made disciples. This is so important. I was talking to some ministers the other day, and, and they happen to be younger ministers. That's not a knock. It's just the truth. And I said, you have to care less about proving what you know and care more about discipling people. You have to care less about proving how much you know and care more about discipling people. Because when a church gets hungry to see souls saved, and a church gets hungry to see things change in that respect, then the ministers, the ministry has to learn to break those things down in such a way that those babies can eat it. And so what will that mean? That'll mean more classes. That'll mean more discipleship classes, uh, FBIMA, Bible classes, things where people can learn and come from not just the pastor but other ministers in the church that have a desire to help people grow. And before you know it, you've got, and the church is a living, breathing organism, but before you know it, you'll stand out here in this parking lot and look at this building and it'll look like it's breathing because there's so much energy and so much Holy Ghost excitement about what God is doing. When you get a church going and moving in that vein of discipleship and teaching and preaching that it only takes one person to change the world. And if we can invest what God has placed within us in one person, they can go change a city. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. No church will ever be all they could be if they overlook the element of discipleship. Will never be all they could be. In uh, the book of Acts chapter 8. Discipleship is God's method of touching the world. It says here, 
in Acts chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 26. It says, The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to his chariot. And Philip ran hither, thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now notice then in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God. Hallelujah. Now notice, this man wanted to know, but he didn't understand. Mm. And the Holy Spirit placed Philip in a strategic position. The, the, the Holy Spirit has placed our churches in a strategic position for this time and this season. And so he's there in the middle of the desert, and this man has had his chariot uh, driver to stop, and he's reading Isaiah, and he wants to understand. And Philip asked him, notice the instruction, go near and join yourself to this chariot. In other words, go get involved in this man's life. Go get involved in in, in what's going on with him. Discipleship is involvement in someone else's life. Amen. Amen. It's it's involvement in someone else's life. When I was just a a young young man, uh, still a young man, but younger, uh, 17, 18 years of age, maybe, maybe, maybe a little younger than that. Of course, my parents, uh, I was raised in church, and uh, this is not a knock against them or anything that they taught, but uh, uh, we had a church in Dalhart, Texas, and discipleship was not the norm. I mean, uh, it, was, uh, it was just a Pentecostal church on the corner. And, uh, you know, people came, and we shout and dance and spoke in tongues, and, but there wasn't a lot of discipleship. But one day a, a young man came to that church named Sammy Casadas. And Sammy Casadas came in that church and he was just not too long out of the Marine Corps. And I mean he had gotten married and, and was on fire for the things of God and had a tremendous testimony about how God had delivered him and set him free. And he started doing something. He started reaching out to the young men in that church. He started reaching out to us and pulling us under his wing, so to speak, and having us over to his house and talking about our destiny and talking about our future and talking about what God wanted to do for us. 
He, he never made you feel like, I mean, I was a young minister on fire for God. I wanted to go witness and, and I'd talk about it, and he'd say, well, come on, let's go. And, and we would just go witness. And, and I said, you know, I'm fired up to go pray in the hospital. And he went, took me to the hospital, and, and we're praying for people, you know. And I don't know, you know, if anybody's life was miraculously changed by me going and praying for him, but somebody was involved in my life. Amen. Somebody cared enough about me yeah. to say there's something in him that God wants to use. I knew there was a call of God on my life, but a disciple knows this. I can have a call of God on my life, but somebody needs to come along sometime that prods me, that pushes the right buttons, that, that it's, that, that, that's just interested in what's going on with me. From all indications, Philip didn't know this man. He had no idea who he was, but yet the Spirit said, go get involved in his life. Amen. Amen. And Philip, notice he asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? And notice what the man said. How can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? The King James says, unless someone guides me. So that means there are people that are never going to know what God wants to say to them if they're not discipled. Hallelujah. And, and, and that's from, that's from, from the, the young ages on up. That's from the nursery through Fort Faith to detour yeah. to, to all of the departments that are going to be started in this church and that are started in, our, in, our, in, our, in uh, both campuses. You know, it's, it's discipleship. How can I know unless someone guides me or explains it to me? So he wanted to know. He wanted to understand. He needed somebody to disciple him. There are people that want to know. There are people right now in the season that we're in, they want to know where the hope is. Where's the answer? I mean, it, it can be something as simple as in the morning, hey, neighbor, how you doing? Yeah. You know, and, and, and maybe they open up and say something. You say, well, look, I got some hope for you. Yeah. Amen. Pastor Michelle and I, listen, I've said this for years. I'm an OG hope dealer. I mean, I, 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 I'm a hope dealer from way back. I, I mean, I got the good stuff. You, un, you understand? Hey, come here. What, what do you got for me? Got some hope. Got some hope for you. Amen. Hallelujah. We were traveling last week to Kansas, and we went by a bagel shop there in uh, 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 Rogers, Bentonville, and uh, uh, was getting our, our lunch. And I was talking to the guy and just talking to him about how good things were getting. And, you know, every day is another day closer to normal. And you just see his face light, light up. And we pulled away, and I looked at my wife and said, just dealing a little hope. Amen. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. Amen. That's what disciples do. They, they go out of their way to get involved in somebody's life. Amen. Oh, glory. All it takes to disciple someone is to join yourself to them and get involved in their life. Join yourself to that chariot. Hallelujah. You know, I look back, Sammy Casadas, he's in heaven today, but I, but I look back when I was going through a challenging time in my life and, and I kind of made some turns that weren't right and I wasn't where I should have been with the Lord. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can still remember that, that 1970, some mercury that he drove. I mean, it, it didn't roll down the street, it floated down the street, you understand? And, uh, and, and he floated up beside me, you know, when I was walking down the street. 
and, and, and I got in the car, and he was giving me a ride. I was, uh, there was a girl I was seeing at the time, and, and he gave me a ride over to her house. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't uh, preach to me. He didn't condemn me. He just looked at me and said, I love you. God loves you. You know God's got a call on your life and a plan for your life, and I believe you're going to fulfill it. You know, it was just those words that somebody's saying, I still believe in you. People are going to come to our churches that need to know that somebody believes in them because their depiction of God is wrong. The people in their life have not treated them right, whatever it may be. But they're going to come in and see your smiling face and know that you believe in them. Amen. And know, hey, if you don't have anybody to sit with, come sit with me and my family. Let me sit beside you. Let me help you find uh, 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 the book in the Bible that you don't know where it is. There are people that are going to come that they think Psalms is Psalms and Job is Job and Malachi is Malachi. But they're going to come and they're going to get discipled in the things of God and it's going to change the world. Oh, glory to God. Amen. I knew a guy one time, he got saved, and he said, uh, what's, what's all this Psalms about? And Psalms? Oh, Psalms. Yeah, I understand. Hallelujah. Amen. The end result, notice, is that this man was born again. And church tradition says that he took the gospel back to Ethiopia, and a great move of God was the result. Church tradition says the church in Ethiopia, the nation of Ethiopia, can be traced back to this man. And it was just because somebody got involved in his life. When it comes to discipleship, God's just simply looking for a someone. Doesn't have to be a special someone, a smart someone, a rich someone, an educated someone, just someone. Just someone that says, I'm willing to go. Someone's come from among us. We don't have to, we don't, right, we don't have to go get them. They're already here. There's someone's in here tonight. There's someone's watching online. Amen. Amen. In, in, in the four gospels, for instance, it was fishermen, tax collectors, Pharisees, members of the Sanhedrin that became disciples. Just somebody. I mean, I I don't know how uneducated the fishermen were. People say they were just uneducated fishermen. I don't know. But they were fishermen, but they became disciples. Amen. Nicodemus came to Jesus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a a, a Pharisee. And he came to Jesus by night. But at the end of Jesus' ministry, you see where it talks about Nicodemus was a disciple now. Joseph of Arimathea that went to beg the body of Jesus, it says he was a disciple at the end of Jesus' ministry. Amen. Matthew was a tax collector, but Jesus came by and got involved in his life, and he became a disciple. Hallelujah. Amen. In the epistles, in the Pauline epistles, it's, it was former religious zealots, Jews, Gentiles, men, women, someones that desired to make a difference in the lives of other people. Amen. Paul, yet breathing out threatenings against the church, going into people's houses, finding out they were Christians, dragging them by the feet down the road, getting pleasure out of them, going to, 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 to court and being put in prison and being tortured. He got pleasure out of that, and he became a disciple of Christ. And over and over again, he's discipling people. 
Amen. Jews, Gentiles, it, do, it doesn't matter. Just somebody that wants to make a difference in other people's lives. Oh, glory. In uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Acts 9 and 10. And there was, this is after Paul had uh, been knocked down on the road to Damascus. And he's uh, in the city, in Damascus. And it says in verse uh, 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And a scene in a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto you in the way as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as had been scales and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now notice the first thing we see about Ananias, he was a disciple. This is important because it doesn't say a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist. He was a disciple. And if you fill in the narrative here, he told the Lord, I've heard a lot of things about this man. You know, he's, he's putting people in prison, putting people to death. And the Lord said, go, go your way. He's a chosen vessel of mine. And notice what the disciple did. He went. <coughs> Hallelujah. The disciple went, not the pastor, not the preacher or the evangelist, the disciple. Hallelujah. Paul's conversion in part can be traced back to the willingness of a disciple to get involved in his life. That's so important. The conversion of people's life, in many cases, will be traced back to the willingness of people in the church to get involved in their life. How willing am I going to be to get involved in their life? And, and you know, very often we tell, uh, uh, you know, people ask the question, you know, if people come in and they don't look good or smell good or, or, or whatever. Well, we're going to have those. But, folks, we're going to have highbrow, crusted people that come in dressed to the nines, dripping with jewelry, and they don't know any more about God than the guy that's been homeless for a year. They don't know any more about God than the person that's living on the street. Amen. And then we're going to have people come living off the street that know more about God than most people you know. But, the, but their life fell apart. we got to be willing to disciple them. We cannot allow the good looks of someone to cause us to believe they don't need help and, and allow the bad looks and the odor of someone to stop us from helping them when they need help. That's right. Amen. 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 The willingness of a disciple to get involved in his life. Discipleship can only come out of a person who genuinely wants to see another fulfill their destiny. I want that person to fulfill their destiny. And so I'm going to get involved in their life. And remember, it's not just theological things. It's not just uh, biblical interpretation. 
discipling is helping somebody grow into the person that they need to be. Grow into what they can be in God. Grow into the, the husband or the wife or, or the, 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 the friend that they can be. But it only comes out of a person that genuinely wants to see that person fulfill their destiny. The sign of maturity in a church is when every member begins to be more concerned about the other person than they are themselves. When it begins to be more about me making sure that you are doing what God wants you to do than it is that I get to be seen, to get to be heard, and the focus gets off of me. Disciples are other people focused. Glory to God. In uh, Acts 18... And we're just getting a sampling of this tonight. Acts 18, verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord And being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them. They got involved in his life. They took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, notice this, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now notice, they're in the synagogue, they heard him preach, they saw the call of God on his life, and they got involved. They discipled him. All right, what you're preaching is good and and what you're saying is right, but look, there's more, right? Folks, that's in any area. This just happens to be somebody with the call of God on their life. But in anything, what, what, what happens very often in the church is people kind of get this idea, well, you know, they'll be okay, I'll just pray for them. Well, praying and discipling are two very different things. I need to pray for the people I'm discipling. I've always been a discipler. You know, I, I used to have one staff meeting uh, a week. Now I have a staff meeting every day. Yep. Amen. Be, because I want to disciple people. Uh, 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 our minister's etiquette class that we had for years, we, we don't have it now, but for years, it was born out of a heart of discipling people. Pouring into people. I would have, I had a gathering for eight years called Father's Circle. And I would have people, men over to my house that I believed had a call of God on their life. And, and disciple them. Not just teach them things about the Bible. Teach them things about integrity. Teach them things about honesty. Teaching them longevity in ministry. I mean, I've, I've been doing this over 20 years full time. I'm doing something right. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you've been doing it that long and you've been doing it right that long, you have a responsibility to disciple others on how to do it. And so they saw uh, uh, Apollos and they said, look, you're doing good, but there's more. And notice, 
after he was a after he was discipled, he was in a position to do even more for God. Because the verse says he was in a position to help much. Verse 27, he helped them much. Well, that wouldn't have happened without discipleship. Because he only knew the baptism of John. But Priscilla and Aquila came along and said, look, there's more. There's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, Apollos, you'll be able to help much. And he did. Notice they didn't wait to get involved. They they saw it and they got involved. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful when I look back over the years, the people that were willing to get involved in my life. Because, because early on in my life, I began to notice something. And most of the ministers that I was raised around were what you would call lone rangers. I mean, they, they, we, we loved these terms, independent, non-denominational. All right? In, in other words, no connectivity. I'm not connected to a group. It's, it's just, I'm independent, I'm non-denominational, all right? Even today, people ask about our churches. They'll say, well, are y'all in, independent? I'll say, no, we're a fellowship. Amen. We're not independent. We don't, we don't exist independent of each other. Amen. Nobody watching tonight, nobody in this room is capable as a believer of existing independent of other believers. Because the Bible says when you come to, cho- to, to, cho- when you come to church, every joint supplies... Right? Every joint supplies. So that means that if I'm an arm or a leg or a hand, if, if, if you cut a natural hand off at the joint, then that joint quits supplying. The hand will die. The arm will live because it's hooked up, but the hand will die. Because it's, it's not, you are not designed to function alone. In the very beginning, God said, it's not good that man be alone. And you will actually starve yourself of purpose if you try to live alone. If you try to do it independent and without help, you'll starve yourself of your purpose. And so one thing that I desired so so much in my ministry when, when we first began the church was I want to have fellowship. I want to have this inner dependence. Amen. Because the Bible says, the Bible says that two are better than one. And it says, here's why. Because when you fall, your brother can help you up. And we're not talking necessarily falling into sin, but just all of us are going to have challenges in our life. We're going to need, there's going to be times when we feel like we fall. We need somebody that's disciple-minded that'll come along and say, come on, get back up. I'll help you. Let's go on. We can do this. Amen. Amen. And that's what we have coming. So they didn't wait to get involved. They just did it. Amen. They saw a person who needed to be discipled. And what they do? They joined themselves to his chariot. Amen. Just join yourself to those people. I remember uh, uh, hearing a story uh, of one of our, our staff members. And it, it so blessed me because they shared this in a staff meeting and uh, uh, was talking about coming to the church and, and that uh, two of, the, the, they, they, two of the, the sisters in the church uh, took them to a, a back room 
and said, uh, you know, uh, we love you. You're just so wonderful, and, and we like what you have on. It's nice. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, they said, but, uh, you know, uh, you probably should wear like a, a little silk undershirt or something under that if you're going to wear it again because, you know, it's pretty revealing. And they said, so un until you get that shirt or you can get it to wear it next time, uh, we got some help for you. We got a safety pin here, and, and we'll help you with that. And people say, well, that's nobody's business. Oh, it was their business. They were discipling. They were discipling. They were older women that were discipling. Amen. See, and, 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 and I've done that with people before. I've heard young men before say something to their wife that was just, oh, it was, it was too short and kind of harsh. And I'd catch them after service or, or, or when they were walking down the hallway. And I'd say, hey, come here for a minute. I'd say, you know, uh, uh, you know, this may not be any of my business, but, you know, I kind of heard the way you talked to your wife there. And, you know, that's not loving her like Christ loves the church. Right? Be, 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 because people can come to church and sit in church and look okay and look all right and look like everything's fine on the outside. And the Word will impact them. It will impact them. But they need somebody to get involved in their life and say, look, I care about what's happening in your life. And I want to disciple you in the things of God. And it, it, that can stop the enemy from pulling a person out of church, from pulling them down into, into the pit that he wants to bring them into. Because the number one thing that, one of the number one things that we face in the world today is people wonder, does anybody care? Does anybody really care about me? Am I important to anybody? And when they come to a church that's full of disciples, they find out. People care about me. Amen. People want me to do good. Hallelujah. And it, and, it, and it is that work on the front lines of discipleship that build a strong church. Because when, listen, people will come to a church where they don't like the music. People will come to a church where they don't even like the part of town it's in. But they're being discipled and they're being helped, and they'll keep coming. Amen. Amen. So the harvest is coming, and we have to be ready. And so there's things that we're, we're, I'm working on, putting in place, and uh, uh, one of our major tools of discipleship begins again this year. We're restarting FBIMA and getting it up and running, and uh, uh, we're in a better position to even do it. We've got people that can teach in both locations, and so all the weight's not going to necessarily just be on myself and Pastor Michelle. And uh, so if you want to get involved, uh, we'll let you know the dates, but uh, you can call the office or uh, 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 send a letter and we'll sure respond to you. Amen. So God's good to us. I believe you were helped tonight. And you know, I believe uh, that probably I have people uh, watching tonight that you're probably not born again, or maybe you're backslid, you're away from God. But we never want to end any service without making sure that you have the opportunity to come to know Jesus. And it's very simple. Romans 10, 9 and 10 just simply says, if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Well, pastor, but I backslid. I went away from God. Well, that's, that's easy. Just come on back. I mean, that's all you've got to do. 
And so you should just say that right now. Just say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. And I believe you died for me and forgave my sins. And I accept you now as my Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you said that with us, I believe you're born again according to Scripture. Let us know that you uh, said that with us. You can call the office, send us an email, however you want to do it, and just let us know. But more than anything, stay hooked up to the things of God.